Welcome to Vegas Inc. Radio. I'm Dellen Goldberg, host of the show and business editor of Vegas Inc. and the Las Vegas Sun. Over the next half hour, we'll be discussing the proliferance of retail chains and franchises in the Las Vegas Valley. But first, we turn our attention to perhaps the biggest news in a couple years for Las Vegas, a new mega resort that apparently is coming to the Strip in the next couple of years. It seems like the real deal, and here to discuss it with us is reporter Rick Vallada. Welcome, Rick. Thanks for having me, Dellen. So this is huge for all sorts of things, the North Strip, jobs, property values, everything. Give us a wrap-up of Genting and, and what they're bringing to the Strip. Well, the, uh, the announcement that was made uh, this past, uh, about a week ago, was uh, that Genting, which is a, a Malaysian corporation, is going to purchase or has purchased the, uh, the, the land that uh, Boyd Gaming had on the Strip that was geared for the Echelon property. Uh, pretty pretty small transaction, actually, $350 million. And compared with the way land values were several years ago, that was a steal for them. Well, what they plan to do is to build a mega resort uh, in several phases that will include a 3,500-room uh, uh, hotel property and uh, a, a giant uh, resort that will have a number of different attractions that are going to be there that will be appealing to a, a large number of people. Now, last time we had any kind of uh, construction on the Strip, I think, was back when Cosmopolitan uh, finally opened. And, and you know, it, it's a big property, Cosmopolitan, but it just doesn't have the same grandeur as some of the, the big properties that opened back in the 90s, uh, such as, uh, you know, Mandalay Bay and uh, Bellagio and, and those types. This really appears to be the biggest type of, uh, of a mega resort that we could have even imagined. And the fact is, is that Genting, uh, while a lot of people around here don't know anything about them, they are the real deal, as you mentioned. And that is that they have built uh, properties in Singapore. They're one of uh, two license holders in Singapore. They have a, a magnificent resort that's continually uh, rated as the among the best in the world in Malaysia. And then they also own the... Uh, uh, Resorts World New York uh, concession at Aqueduct uh, Racetrack, uh, which is the biggest slot machine uh, venue in the world, which I, I didn't even know that. That surprised me. More than Las Vegas. More than Las Vegas. So it's uh, it's it's pretty astonishing that a company of this stature, um, you know, obviously we we don't, I don't expect a lot of people around here would really know that much about them. But the fact is, is that this is a big player worldwide, and the fact that they're making such a big investment in uh, Las Vegas on the North Strip is truly a, a grand piece of news that uh, I think a lot of people have been waiting for. Now, absolutely, let's talk about a little bit the finances and the history of the site. It, it's um was going to be the Echelon, and Genting bought it from Boyd Gaming Company for pennies on the dollar. Right, right. Well, you know, I I think that... uh Boyd Gaming, uh, Las Vegas-based company, they they just had a, a really bad, unfortunate piece of timing uh, on them. When uh, when they first decided that they were going to break ground on the Ech- it was called Echelon Place actually back when it was first op- when it was first announced when they first uh, started working on that, 
things were kind of humming along, and this was, uh, you know, city center was already on on the ground, and it was they were actually constructing city center, and this was kind of envisioned as the the North Strip version of what city center was going to be because it was going to have multiple hotels just like city center. It was going to have a lot of attractions, some theaters. Uh, a, a lot of, uh, of convention space, so this was this was destined to be one of the top resorts uh, that uh, we could have even imagined on the North Strip, and it would be right across the street from Steve Wynn's uh, recently uh, constructed properties there. So everything was just kind of humming along back in in two thousand and six and two thousand and seven when this all was conceived. So they actually started to build the place. They put the you know some of the steel superstructure uh, online to start building the hotel, and uh, you know then all of a sudden the Great Recession hits. And when the Great Recession hit, uh, they made the command decision at Boyd to stop construction on the project. A lot of people were very disappointed. Of course, that threw a lot of construction workers out of work immediately. But um, when the analysts took a look at it, they said, you know. Boyd made a really smart decision to do this because if they hadn't, it was in, in all likelihood going to go bankrupt. And that would probably be a lot messier. I think one of the sad things is that we lost the stardust in all this. Well, they had to kind of they, they, they had to, to knock down the stardust to implode the stardust in order to actually make this uh, echelon uh, uh, construction site work. So we did lose a, 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 an important property when, when that occurred, and then when construction stopped, I think people were very saddened by the fact that there was nothing that was going to happen there. And then over time, uh, people branded it as an eyesore, including uh, Mr. Wynn across the street. And he wasn't Harry very Reed. happy about it. Oh, yes, and, and Senator Reed also chimed in with that. So, you know, I, I think that uh, the fact that uh, some of the superstructure that's already in place is going to be used by Genting to to... Uh, to, to actually build their structure is, is hopeful too, although I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people who are going to be skeptical about the fact that's been exposed to the weather for so long. But, uh, but I'm also sure that um, a lot of the building inspectors will be looking at that and making sure that uh, it's safe. Uh, but that's uh, something that we're going to be seeing construction zone instead of eyesore. And then eventually in 2016, we'll actually see uh, a building that will be there and the, the start of a, of a big resort that uh, will certainly be of, um, of importance to Las Vegas. Well, it's great news all around. And part of the reason people think this is actually going to happen, we hear about all sorts of plans all the time in Las Vegas. Um, this company paid cash money for the land. Um, they're a hugely affluent multinational corporation based out of Malaysia. They had the money to pay the land. The resort is is um, got a price tag of anywhere from 2 to $7 billion. Right, it's right. quite a span, but what do you think this will end up costing them and where's the money coming from? Well, well, you know, the, the, the thing is is that uh, they, they wanted to put a range on the, on the price tag because it is going to take a long time for them to get from the, the start to the, to the finish. And things can change rapidly between uh, between now and and when they would put that last phase in, whenever that turns out to be. We're we're, we're took, looking at uh, them actually opening the doors to the first phase in 2016. So that's that's still three years out. 
they don't know exactly how much it's going to cost and, and how rapidly they want to progress once they get to that point, which is why they, they put that broad range on there. Initially, probably a little more than $2 billion is going to be invested, but they think that by the time everything is done, $7 billion would be invested. So, you know, over a course of time, that's that's pretty impressive. Where are they going to get the money? Well, you know, they, they are multinational. They are um, actually a pretty diverse company because they have some uh, holdings in bio, uh, uh, bio, you know, bio health uh, companies and in uh, green energy products. So and palm oil plantations, <laughs> palm which is plantations. random. <laughs> exactly. Plus the, the the Singapore operation, which which I had the uh, opportunity to visit, uh, is is quite a money maker. Uh, the, the the number of or the amount of revenue that they uh, collected at the Singapore property alone uh, roughly is about half of what is generated on the Las Vegas Strip in one year. So that's pretty wow. incredible, uh, and a lot of that is because of the fact that uh, you know the Asian gaming market is is a lot different than it is here. A lot of big spenders, and the fact that Singapore only has two licensees. Uh, and and they're you know they're at an advantage to, quite frankly because of the fact that you're when you're in Singapore and you're going to go to a convention or you're going to take your family on an outing to to Singapore where where else to go but a place that has a, a theme park a Universal Studios theme park if you're a, if you're a, a family person you know you you decided to check in there's like five hotels at this place and. Um, you, you send the, the kids over to go to the theme park and ride the movies, and you spend time gambling, and you can gamble a whole lot. So um, that's that's where they're going to be generating a lot of the revenue that's necessary. And then I don't know as much about the, the New York property, but it's right near JFK Airport, so there's a, a big market of people that would go to that. And having the largest slot machine venue in the world, I mean, certainly there's going to be quite a bit of revenue generated from that, and certainly that's a, a source too. So they they are well moneyed, and I think they are in a good position to be able to afford anything that they want to do here. And the su- success of all these projects lends credence and confidence to this oh, project. Definitely, definitely. This is this is something that um, I think a lot of people get a little bit nervous about when they hear about any kind of a new project, and, and you and you kind of get nervous about the fact that well, what, are we totally recovered yet? Are we ready for this type of thing? And certainly, the analysts have some doubts right now. The, the analysts have been talking about you know what exactly is this going to do to the market? Is it going to cannibalize? Um, the, uh, some of the high-end resorts that already exist in town. Certainly MGM and Las Vegas Sands and Wynn Resorts and Caesars Entertainment, they have to be thinking in terms of that. But also one of the theories that has been uh, you know, elaborated on by some of the uh, top MGM executives back in the day, Terry Lanny always used to say, a rising tide raises all boats. So you, you translate that and it means that when somebody opens a grand new property in Las Vegas, people are going to come to town to see it. And, oh, by the way, they're going to spend money elsewhere. They're not necessarily going to stay at that resort. They may stay at mine. So I think that uh, uh, while there may be some people who are a little bit nervous about the fact that this uh, this company could d- divert some of the revenue to someplace else, it also means that more people would be coming to town. And that's something that we certainly experienced back in the 90s. 
Absolutely. And um, you and your colleague Eli Siegel had a recent story about the winners and some of the people who might stand to lose a little bit. Right. And um, a lot of the small business people, unemployed people, construction industry, and all the, the related help are really excited about this project and the opportunities it presents. Well, and, and you know, I think the immediate thing that I think most people are excited about is the fact that it's going to provide some jobs. And when I say immediate, uh, you know, obviously they're not going to be you know, 10,000 jobs uh, tomorrow or, or probably even next year. It'll, it's going to take a couple of years for this to happen. But the reality is, is that they're going to be hiring all kinds of people to run the place. And before that, they're going to be hiring all kinds of people to build the place. So uh, the jobs are on the horizon. They're, they're, they're not anything that's immediate, but certainly it's something that's, um, you know, it's better than any news that we've had recently. Absolutely. And you mentioned uh, Universal Studios uh, theme park at the Resorts World Sentosa, which is right. the one in Singapore. Um, my personal favorite, I've heard a lot about <laughs> pandas. What are they going to, what can we expect uh, for the amenities here? Well, that, it's, it's kind of interesting. You know, we've, on the strip now, we've, we've had uh, a white tiger enclosure, we've had dolphin, uh, and we've had lions and uh, all kinds. Well, th- you know, this is, this is a Chinese themed. Um, uh, property that's being proposed, the Resorts World Las Vegas. And one of the things that they have talked about doing is to have a panda en- enclosure because this is a obviously a, an animal that is uh, associated with China. And I think that uh, they fascinate people. I, I, I know they fascinate you, Del, and I, <laughs> I'm, I'm fascinated too. And I know that uh, uh, they, they're, they're interesting to watch. So uh, part of the theming would be to include uh, a panda enclosure uh, within the within the property. Also, you know, they're talking about uh, having a, something uh, that's a replica of the Great Wall of China. And what they would do is is have uh, some themed uh, musical and water uh, works presentations and lighting presentations on that Great Wall as part of their theme. So, you know, at one point, at one point in time, we, everything we did in Las Vegas was themed resorts. Everything was based on someplace else. And then we kind of steered away from that a little bit and got uh, more into uh, boutique-type things. And, and uh, just the, the whole upper end of, the, of the, the scale was based on just having something different, but not necessarily themed to someplace. Well, now this is kind of a throwback. It's going back to, you know, uh, having a theme that people are familiar with and, and you know, building some kind of recognition of some place where, where they've, uh, they've never been before. And that's, that's one of the things that the architect, Paul Steelman, mentioned in the announcement last week was that, you know, we, we try to build things and we try to build enthusiasm for places that you've never been before. And certainly this would be something that would do that. And they're talking um, just in terms of the wild amenities to bring people here, having an indoor water park. An indoor can, water park, right. Amazing. We'll have yeah. uh, multiple water parks on the Strip if that ha- yeah. indeed happens. And, and you know, I, I think when, when people get excited about uh, a water park, uh, I think the indoor thing is is probably something that would come to mind because, you know, the, uh, the water parks that we're going to have in Las Vegas uh, later this summer are strictly outdoor. Uh, this would be enclosed, and uh, it's not going to be nearly as large as the two water parks that are uh, that are under construction right now in in southern Nevada. Uh, but the fact is, is that um, if uh, you know when if those things become open to the public, which I think that's that's what the intent is, is that um, we could have water parks year round here. You could play on slides uh, through um, you know th- through through December if you wanted to, which is uh, something that I think would be very appealing on the Strip and something that the Strip doesn't have right now. Almost as exciting as pandas. <laughs> right. uh, and final question, what's the 
the thought process, it seems fairly brilliant to me of bringing an Asian theme from Asia to Las Vegas when so much of our customer base is based in Asia and we're exporting gaming to Asia. Well, you know, and one of the things that uh, that the executives from Genting had talked about was the fact that uh, some of the, the middle class in China is becoming more inclined to travel. And this is a theory that we've heard for about a year now. And so what, what we'll probably see is a, a marketing effort by Genting to, to bring Asian visitors to this property. And this is, this is not just Asian visitors coming from overseas, but we're talking about Asian Americans that live on the West Coast coming to this property because there's a comfort zone there. There's things that they are familiar with. Uh, one of the things that I've n- noticed in some of my travels to to Asia is that um, some of the, the the tourists in in the uh, that that Asia brings here they they really need safety they they like the comfort of safety and having that comfort of familiarity is is important to them it's part of the culture it's part of the the whole identity of of what uh, uh, the, the expectation is is when you go on a vacation you take your family and you have a good time and you s- stay in a place that's safe. So um, having that comfort zone in place is something that they're going to be counting on to uh, point to uh, the potential travelers in Asia and say, see, we have this great resort. You can, you can fly across the, the ocean and have some fun in a place that you've never been before, but it's also going to have some comfort uh, zones in there that you'll be able to uh, uh, be, be familiar with and, and have a good time while you're there. Well, this is a hugely exciting project all the way around, and it'll be interesting to see how it plays out over the next several years. Oh, and you know that everybody's going to be following this, uh, and, and I, I think that's part of the excitement is that the, the buildup that's going to occur over three years' time, I mean, this will probably be something that we will reference um, many times over the next few years as people get excited about this. Uh, and I know a lot of, of our, our listeners probably weren't here back in the 90s, but this was something that was going on like every year. It was it was incredible because everybody was anticipating what the next property was going to look like. I remember getting ready for the Luxor to open. I couldn't wait to get inside that pyramid. Right. Uh, and that's the way I think people are going to look at this uh, property as well. Absolutely. And hopefully it'll be a turning point, um, you know, signal the recovery of Las Vegas and- Yes. Great who, things to come. Who, who knows? Maybe maybe we'll see some of the other uh, buildings that uh, are on the strip that are unoccupied. Uh, <laughs> maybe something will happen there. We we, we can only hope that. Uh, and, and I'm of course referencing Fountain. <laughs> I was just say, does it involve an F and a B? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, that would be wonderful. Thanks so much, Rick. Thanks for having me, Dallin. You can follow all of Rick, Rick's coverage um, on Genting and. Uh, Resource World and all other business uh, topics on VegasInc.com and LasVegasSun.com. You're listening to Vegas Inc. Radio, part of Waking Up with the Sun. We're here every Monday at 7 a.m. on KUNV 91.5 The Source. I'm your host, Ellen Goldberg, business editor of Vegas Inc. Joining us now is reporter Eli Siegel, who had a recent Vegas Inc. cover story about the proliferation of uh, chain stores and franchises in Las Vegas. Welcome, Eli. Thanks, Dallin. So Vegas Inc. this week had a really interesting story. Apparently, we don't know the numbers because it seems like nobody counts them, but anecdotally, we have more big box chain franchise stores here than most other places in the country. That sure seems to be the case, and, and, and you're absolutely right. There are no numbers, there are no reports out there that say which city has the most chains and franchises, you know, proportion or, or outright number. The, I, I couldn't find any reports that are like that, at least nothing recent. And But if you have lived in a number of states and cities like I have and, and a lot of other people in Vegas have, 
when you come to Vegas, you just get the sense driving around that this is kind of a chain paradise out here, and it's all chains and franchises. Now, literally, it's not, it's not actually all chains and franchises, but you do get that feeling sometimes. Absolutely. Well, I thought it was fascinating. You opened your story um, driving down Eastern Avenue in Henderson, right by the 215 Beltway, where a lot of people have been, and in less than a mile, only a handful of the stores you see, you rattled off probably 20 names of chains, and the list could have been much longer. It could have been two or three times that, just for the chains and franchises. That's right. When you're driving south on Eastern, I think as anyone has known, it is a, it's one of the most densely concentrated shopping areas in the Valley in terms of the number of stores and square footage and so forth. It's a major, major shopping corridor uh, for, for the region. And it is, if you just drove past it without stopping, you would think that every single store in there was a chain or a franchise. There is a Walmart, Home Depot, Office Max, Office Depot, uh, Grimaldi's Pizza, Red Robin, Firehouse Subs, Wendy's, Carl's Jr., Gold's Gym, Discount Tires, Famous Footwear. I mean, the, the list goes on and on. And that's all those names that I mentioned, you know, as, as we said in the story, that's just in the first mile. And there are a whole lot more in the first mile and a whole lot more in the ensuing couple miles after that once until you get down to Anthem. Well, and you reported, I guess, a Forbes story recently said that Las Vegas has the honor of having the most Walmarts in the country or That's world. That's right. Yeah, Walmart, uh, sorry, Forbes did a story last year about the, it was uh, actually focused on the best bargain shopping areas in the country. And they found that uh, Las Vegas, the, the region, has the most Walmart's in the country. They're, they're, by their count, it was 19, and, and I think they're right. They're about 19 or 20 in uh, in the Vegas Valley. And as they put it in their story, for a city of just under 2 million, that's a whole lot of Walmart. Yeah, no kidding. And so why is this? Why do we have so many um, chains and big box stores, franchises? There are a couple of reasons. One... Uh, one of the reasons is the rapid population growth that you had here. There was so much construction. You know, the population of the region, uh, you know, almost tripled in from 1990 to, to 2010. It went from like 750,000 to just a little under 2 million. And homes were being built all over the place. And retail centers, shopping centers, strip malls were being built almost at just as fast a rate. Not as many, you know, numbers-wise, but they were being built just constantly. And they were basically being pre-leased. And national chains were flooding in here because it was, the, the economy was doing great. People had a lot of money to spend. And th- that's the, those are key markets for, uh, for national chains like, you know, the McDonald's of the world, Carl's Jr., Walmart, Target, et cetera. So they came to Vegas in droves and just opened up stores all over the place. You know, Rite Aid at one point had almost 30 stores in Vegas. Now, granted, they eventually closed them all during the recession, but, uh, but you, you get the point. And so they came because you know, one, you have all this money going around, and two, there's such a pop, the population here, as you know, as any listener can tell you, people move here from all over the place, and you, you very seldomly meet people from in Vegas who are from Vegas, and that means that stores like Walmart and Target have great name recognition among the people here because they all shop there wherever they used to live. So it's a, it's an ideal market for for national chains. Absolutely, and the the great name recognition. I mean, you can be from. Kansas, New York, or Timbuktu, and you know what a McDonald's or a Taco Absolutely. Bell or Walmart is. And so the the owners of these shopping plazas and any commercial property or retail space want to rent to these retailers as opposed to Dellen's Big Macs. That's exactly right. I'd get sued for that. but Probably. <laughs> well, hopefully not. But uh, 
Yeah, and that, that's probably the bigger reason more than population growth is what the landlords wanted, is they wanted what people in real estate called national credit tenants, which are nationally known stores with very strong finances, strong balance sheets that are going to be, when they sign a lease, they're going to be there indefinitely for 20, 30 years, maybe more. And those are the kind of tenants that landlords want because it's guaranteed rent and they are guaranteed to be making money on their investment, which is building out that property. So in Vegas... That's what landlords wanted to do. They just wanted to sign national tenants because you know one you know one factor is you have a lot of out of state landlords here. It's an investment property. Even the people who live here that have real estates that have um, sh- uh, strip centers, those are investment properties. Nobody lives there. It's not their home, so they want to make money off of it, which is why they did in the first place. You know that's that's natural. So uh, so they went with these kinds of tenants, and what it did is the prices went way up. And the only other you know once you get a big anchor tenant like a Walmart or a Vons or Albertsons or whatever. Other stores want to be there too because those draw a lot of people and they want to capture the overflow shoppers. So what that does is it raises the rents for the whole place because there's such high demand and then mom and pops can't afford it. So they get kind of pushed aside to the smaller, maybe older, uh, not as well planned, not as well designed shopping centers, kind of the dingier malls. And there's some small business owners or mom and pop shops that you talked to that literally said the rent was, you know, half the price or a fraction of the price of being next to the target. So I chose this maybe slower, less populated area because I could frankly afford it, right? That's exactly right. And I think a lot of mom and pops would would say the same thing, which is that they choose their real estate based on whether they can afford it. And, uh, you know, ideally they want to be in an area with, in an area with a lot of traffic, you know, around people who make a lot of money and there are a lot of factors that they would want but those all, all those factors drive up the rent, and they just simply can't afford it. You know, a lot of these people, they're borrowing a lot of money to open these businesses, or they're spending their life savings just to open the store and get it going. So they can't really be picky about their real estate, whereas a national chain, you know, they'll spend millions of dollars developing a program, you know, a real estate modeling program to have a very scientific approach to the best real estate in that area. And they can, and so it's, uh, they spend a lot more money and a lot more resources on picking their real estate. Well, you touch on exactly what I was going to get at next. I mean, obviously, location is key, and these uh, chains have an advantage over the mom and pop, but a few people know how much of an advantage, potentially. Talk about Capriati's. You wrote a fascinating um, part of your story was about what the lengths and expense they go through in finding the exact perfect location. That's right. Uh, Capriati's Sandwich Shop, which everybody knows by their famous Bobby sandwiches. And I I, I love their sandwiches. A lot of people love their sandwiches. It's a great food. Uh, They are a franchise, and they've got almost 90 locations nationwide. They're headquartered here in Las Vegas, uh, but they are a national chain at this point. And their CEO, Ashley Morris, I I met with him, and he told me about this uh, real estate modeling system that they have. It costs $250,000 to develop. Uh, they built it with a company out of Kansas City, he told me. And what they did was they surveyed, I think it was like 2,000 customers nationwide at all of their stores, asked them every question under the sun about them, you know, who they are, what, how much money they make, where they came from before they came to the restaurant that day, where they're going next, how far they drove, uh, what they ate, what their income levels are, their nationality, their race. They asked them everything to get a very comprehensive profile. And they did this with 2,000 people. And then they combined that with a ton of data about every single storefront that Capriati's has a, has a restaurant in. So, you know, the speed limit of the road um, that the restaurant is on, uh, how old is the building that the restaurant is in, where is the grill, how many seats are in the restaurant. I mean, all kinds of things that the average customer never even thinks about. 
And then they combine that with what Ashley described as psychographic data, which are kind of, um, it's a fancy way of saying like a, like a lifestyle, you know, if it's a young urban retiree or sorry, uh, urban retirees, uh, you know, young urban affluent people, you know, people who are like 18 to 25, went to a good college, earn a lot of money, don't drive a car, stuff like that. And then I guess they mix it all up into some, into some computer software program and out comes a formula for them to follow on how to best pick uh, real estate and the, the and how to best pick their storefronts to maximize revenue and to to ensure that they get the most customers and it is a very scientific approach that the average mom and pop one could never afford and two it's just not something they they would even consider they're they're basically looking for the cheapest rent absolutely and do you see see this trend continuing do you think uh, we'll ever have a real proliferation of the mom and pops valley wide. It's tough to say. Probably not. Not not in Las Vegas. At least not anytime soon, because you know, it. it I doubt it. I mean, these the real estate is so expensive, and it de- a lot of it depends on foot traffic. And for a, a mom and pop kind of store, they just they just can't afford those spaces. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Eli. All our listeners can learn more about all this news and all our business coverage at VegasInc.com and the LasVegasSun.com. You can follow Eli's coverage in the print version of Vegas Inc. as well. This is Vegas Inc. Radio, part of Waking Up With The Sun. We're here every Monday at 7 a.m. on KUNV 91.5 The Source. I'm your host, Dylan Goldberg, business editor of Vegas Inc. Thanks to Steven Zeller, our producer, and the entire KUNV team. And thanks to you for listening. Enjoy your day.